Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello there, Scoobs. It's Kristen. I'm up here solo today at the top of our fourth episode of Slayers. I just have a couple of things to tell you. Most importantly, I'm here for uh, the results of the Sexual Tension Awards, the biggest reason that we continue to do intros on our episodes. Um, But in case you are listening to this in real time, this is your reminder that this Saturday, November 4th, we are concluding Pumpkin Spike Autumn with a concert of buffering songs. Jenny's going to be playing music live for all of our $5 and higher patrons. And then all of our patrons will join us after for a live watch in the Discord of Lover's Walk and Fool for Love, two uh, very hearty Spike episodes. And of course, Jenny will be choosing her most Spike-adjacent songs from the Buffering catalog. So it's going to be a really nice Saturday. We hope that you can join us and all of that information can be found on the calendar on our website, bufferingcast.com. The other thing that you really should know about if you don't already is that if you live in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, or Seattle, Jenny is coming to your cities uh, on, respectively, the 15th, the 16th, the 17th, and the 18th of November. You can find out all of the information you need to go and see her. Please go. She is wonderful to see live. Uh, And tell her I said hi. If you get to high-five her, you know, just let her know I'm, like, missing her over here in New York. JennyOwnYoungs.com for all the information you need for that. And last but certainly, certainly not least... Let me tell you about the Sexual Attention Award winners uh, in episode three of Slayers. This is a given. This is a given. 3% of the vote in fourth place went to Miranda and Despair. 7% of the vote went to Drusilla and Being Hated. 9% of the vote second place, Cordelia and Spike. And listen, no one was going to take it from them. 81% of the freaking vote to Giles and Olivia. You love to see it. We're going to start today's episode talking about Giles and Olivia. We're just all so excited. I'm reading one of the comments on Patreon. I screamed. I screeched when I heard Olivia. Uh, Giles, Olivia, your trophies are in the mail, and we're also going to send you a complimentary uh, tea to have while you look upon your trophies. All right, let's get into today's episode. Your Cordelia is dead. Yes. But it sounds like she had a very different role to play. She was a, a complex young woman with, a, with a, a brave heart. When she found her focus, I think she surprised herself by becoming a smarter, far more capable and much better person than anyone could have imagined. Her 
myself included. It really is a pleasure to meet you. Yes, the same. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Ah, the <laughs> crowd goes wild. A podcast where we were once watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and now where we are listening to and discussing every episode of Slayers, a Buffyverse story, one by one, spoiler free. I, dear friends, am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo, and I just want to let you know that uh, we are, this is the fourth episode of Slayers, and all four episodes, Jenny has started her recording by saying, we are watching every episode of Buffy the, just kidding. Well, <laughs> I am I know. perpetually watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so it's not untrue. No, it's not. And it's also, not what I we're mean, here to we're... do today. What are we? A what? How many? One hundred forty-four episodes in that universe to four in this one. I mean, you know, the brain's yeah. neural pathways need yeah. some mm -hmm. time to Carved reforge. Deep. Um, this is the one where episode four. Okay, so let's think here. This is the one where Giles leaves Olivia to go to Sunnydale. Clem bites off the heads of so many people. And we learn so much about the backstory and plans and so on and so forth about Tara and Drusilla with respect to the grimoire. Also, listen, episode four, Jasper still doing great, still doing fine. Love to see a dog making it through multiple episodes in this universe. Yeah. Did I forget anything really important? Olivia makes tea for everyone, including me and my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot happened uh, in this episode. Tons and tons of stuff. Uh, but it felt uh, really zipped along. Did you mention Amy? Oh, God, no. Amy Madison is... Amy is Madison is back... God, in one um, reality, she's a rat, and another one, she's trapped in a cellar. You know what I mean? She's all, if heads you put getting two, chomped off of demons left and right. If you it's put really, the two Amy Madisons together, you have a Smashing Pumpkin lyric, actually. You know, she is a rat trapped in a cage, despite all her rage. Oh, boy. No? Well, <laughs> I feel like technically Amy was already a rat in a cage, despite her rage. Just within mm -hmm. the original mm -hmm. television series it's universe. True. I just wanted to bring my joke back and it felt like it needed a new twist to return, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so Slayers episode four, jam-packed full of action, was written by Amber Benson and Christopher Golden, was directed by them and co-directed by Casey Wayland, who also produced it. And it originally aired in a binge drop. October 12th, 2023. Okay, so Jenny, big thoughts. Big thoughts on this app. Having a blast. Yeah? You're, you're having a good time with this one? Yeah, I thought this was super fun, and I wasn't feeling like, uh, I wasn't like thinking about it while it was happening. You know what I mean? I feel like in, in episode three, I was like, 
There was just a lot to keep track of in a way that mm-hmm. felt like a little bit like my brain was couldn't just be in the story, mm-hmm. but rather was like doing that and also like kind of keeping tabulations on the side. Yeah, yeah. Um, something that I didn't say in the this is the one where is also this is the one where we get a lot of information about Clem. I mean, maybe that's that's. Uh, too much. We don't get a lot of information, but we do get some depth. We get more information than we've ever than gotten. Than we've ever gotten Clem. from Clem, which I will say that I think in the, of all the choices that the series makes, obviously the return of Cordelia Chase is uh, high, high, high on my list of things I love. Uh, the entry of Indira into the universe is something I really love. The treatment of Clem and the the depth given to his character in this episode is one of my favorite parts about the whole return of the universe. So um, I liked this episode. I think that, again, I'm coming from a have listened to them all going back vantage points. I can't exactly remember, but I think that episodes three and four were the ones that I struggled the most with in terms of like keeping my footing. It's interesting now to go back in. So, you know, with, with such a fine toothed comb to three and four, because I really see such a difference between the two and understand why you Jenny had like a difficult time with three, but are having a great time with four. Um, I think you were, like you said last week, like a little overstimulated with three, et cetera. I think for me, the information in the uh, Tara Drusilla arc was really hard for me to hold in both uh, episode three and in this episode, episode four. So I think like maybe my struggle is a bit different than yours, but um, I, I loved certain elements, the union of Giles and Cordelia, uh, obviously fucking anytime Olivia is in my ears and um, a lot of those beats I loved, but I still just, I still am struggling with some of the Kurgan stuff. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, we shall see. Struggling in what way? I, I think it's just, Honestly, part of it might just be that I am not somebody who listens to stories, right? Like I am a, I'm a visual person, but like very much so anyone who listens to the podcast knows that like d- gathering information via only my ears is difficult for me. And so the Kurgan stuff, when I read it on the page as I'm listening, mm-hmm. I really, really love it. But when I like was just listening, I was very overwhelmed with the detail of that lore because I think because all of the other lore in the series is lore that I'm at least kind of familiar with, right? Like I know Spike, I know Clem, I know their stories. I know Cordelia original flavor. I know, like I have something, but the Kurgan stuff is all brand new. And so I think that's a part of it. And then I think the other part of it is also that I'm finding a little bit of conflict between the need of the alternate universe, right? It's like, we know that Cordelia and Anya are trying to save their world. So that seems real clear to me, right? That's their intention. But the conflict between Drew and Tara is something that I struggle a little bit with because it feels like what Tara is working on, this spell is the the top of the heap, right? Like, why does it matter? The Anya and Cordelia of it all, why does that matter to Drusilla? And, and like, I want to say that it, like, 
I could lay on that it matters to Drusilla because she's jealous of Anya and just wants Tara to prove her love to her by killing Anya. But apart from that, it's mm. like, they're not even in the, like Tara is saying in this episode, right? They're not here. Like, let me use this yeah. moment of peace to perfect this spell that is so much more massive than simply offing Cordelia and and uh, Anya. So there's a conflict there the, for me too. The assumption I'm making, as you say, that stuff and you have advanced knowledge that I don't have because I haven't listened ahead of this episode. But I mean, the only way that that could make sense, I think, super intuitively is if like Cordelia and Anya killed Spike. Right. Right. Like Drusilla's revenge. Drusilla's revenge is higher than. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. And it's and I'm, I'm also trying to put myself in the headspace of where I was when I first listened. So I might be oversaucing my feelings from those first listens because I'm so much deeper in now, even in, again, just the way that we listen to these episodes when we take notes on them. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, are you ready? Are you ready to jump in? Are you ready to go beat by beat here? I am ready. Do you think, Jenny, that Spike's poetry is better than... It it was as William the Bloody. There's <laughs> we know we know William the Bloody's poetry. Uh, effulgent, I believe, is the word that will summon Spike's. Uh, sorry, William's poetry. But he uh, says a little. He gives us a little snippet of his poetry in this intro. Lie in the grass, staring up at the stars, like looking at my heart and seeing the scars. You're a musician. You're a lyricist. What do you think of this? Do you think this is elevated from the days of William? This is definitely light years ahead of William the Bloody, in my opinion. Great. I just deferred to you. I have my own brain, I swear. I mean, yeah, it is It is highly subjective, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I like this better. I think he's improved. I think he's improved his technique. Uh, perhaps he could get Cecily now if he still wanted her. Yeah, I mean... The thing is that, like, you know, when you rhyme bulge in it with effulgent, um, you can just he- sort of hear the trying. But mm-hmm. when you rhyme stars with scars, mm-hmm. you're like, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Feels great. So, all right. So, backstory. We know we know what just happened. Anyanka's on her way to London to tear shit up. Um, Clem bit off Miranda's head. And here we go back to Fairweather Books, the clinking of teacups and the dulcet sounds of Olivia. Kristen, have you ever watched uh, any slow TV? What does that mean? So probably okay, no. like, for example, um, the first slow TV program I ever saw was a like 20 hour train ride. Uh, through Europe. Um, it's basically like a camera is mounted at the front of the train, mm-hmm. and it's just twenty hours of a train slowly mm. careening through the European countryside, occasionally stopping at a train station, but mostly just like you know moving through forests and alongside lakes, and just goes on for twenty hours. 
Well, Jenny, um, I didn't know that I had watched slow TV, but I once did watch. Well, I, I think I've watched it in two different ways. Um, I have watched the Yuletide um, Fire. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Fireplace for Your Home. I can see why you would make the connection. Okay, but you know that's much more finite. Okay. Okay, you know? true. So then, no, because my only other answer was that I also watched an alternate version of that, which was a snowman who slowly melted. Um, okay. right, 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 right. Well, have you ever checked out the the branded Witcher fireplace for your home? <laughs> no, but I do know about it because I am business partners with you. <laughs> good, 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 good. Okay. So, you're right. Slow TV. I mean, there are a bazillion variations on this theme, mm-hmm. but... um. One that I don't think has been made yet um, is just a cool British woman who is partnered with a watcher, uh, <laughs> softly murmuring affirmations to a dog. <laughs> I would watch it. I would fave it. Truly was jealous of Jasper when Olivia was cooing at him. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just like, please, please let me live. Like, I want the alternate choose your own adventure where Indira simply stays with Olivia and Giles and doesn't she doesn't have to fight anything at all. She just stays with them mm-hmm. and she has mm-hmm. just a regular life where she doesn't have to see any gore and Giles and Olivia hang out and they have a room far in the back so they can have all the sex they want and Indira doesn't have oh. to, you know, overhear anything. It's just a win mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, and they yep. take a 20-hour yep. ride on a train in the English countryside. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to do it in the English. I guess you could do like a sort of a circle, but... um. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> true. <laughs> um okay, so basically this is us learning that you know, we already knew Giles was not doing this anymore. This is where we learn that he did make a promise. I kind of slipped up a little bit last episode because I thought I you'll find that this will probably happen several times in our conversation of this series where I'm like, maybe it's because of this reason. And I say it so genuinely. And it is because of that reason. And I knew it was, but I forgot it was. And it's in a different part of my brain. So I knew that Olivia had been part of the reason that Giles like that this was an actual promise that he had made to her because I had heard the episode, Mm -hmm. but I forgot. And then I made it sound like my idea and it wasn't it was written so sorry you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah he made a promise to olivia to avoid evil and only be around books and and then like canoodle books and canoodle are his options yeah no evil you had mentioned jenny that anya this alternate reality anya wasn't quite as um like cutting as original flavor Anya and Mm. I I found her to have a couple moments in this scene where I was like okay that's I'm seeing a little bit of that uh, Anya that we know where she's just like calling Giles a coward just because he is sort of like drawing his boundaries and advocating for himself I was like oh there she is yeah she says in my world Giles was a hero fucking burn and olivia will not stand for that olivia is like you can have your tea until you fucking call my partner a coward (laughs) oh god um but anya makes a case uh for herself despite the fact that she's being a little bit rude uh and sort of gives some detail of what happened in their reality 
She says, I need your stupid brain and maybe a reassuring glasses cleaning or two. Is that so much to ask? We do get this big info dump. And and Kristen, I will say that there were like a couple of, there were a handful of spots where I had to like roll it back where I was like, what did I just learn? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like I learned like a lot of things in a short burst. Um, And this is one of those spots. Uh, So Anya tells us, in case anybody forgot that Tara was her best friend. <laughs> Tara was her best friend. Um, and also that Cordelia used to be kind and loving. Now she is hardened and numb because vampires killed her watcher, Giles. Vampires killed Cordelia's best friend. Harmony. Harmony. Ever heard of her. And also Cordelia's little sister. I wonder if we're going to find out eventually that Cordelia's little sister's name is Dawn. <laughs> no, we found out that her name is Sarah. You made a whole point of oh, it, Jenny. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. Well, listen, who can keep track of all these little sisters running around? <laughs> Certainly not I. Uh, I wonder if we'll find out that Cordelia's little sister used to be a mystical ball of energy. You know what I mean? No, I would also accept that. Yes. Yeah. Um... um there is who is writing this show that is obsessed with best friends that is my question <laughs> well, they are <gasps> spike and clem are best friends cordelia and harmony were best friends anya and tara were best friends <laughs> who's my best friend <laughs> i thought i was according oh, to podcast no, no, no. lore <laughs> according to po- podcast lore i'm your best friend yes you're but- my my good friend <laughs> no no uh-uh at the end of buffering the vampire slayer you said i was your best friend too i can roll back that tape remember saying that um but that could have been alternate universe jenny (laughs) shit um okay so speaking of alternate reality shit although i guess technically so something that was a little bit confusing to me too it's not confusing it's just my brain was like okay wait so there's a passageway and that's not a different reality that's just a quick way of getting from california that's just a shortcut (laughs) shortcut not to be confused with reality jumping um Anyanka rolls in. Um, I would love to play the little clip at the end of this scene because I think that Emma Caulfield, as we have said many times before, is simply nailing it. Anyanka. Perfect. My funhouse mirror reflection come to life. I remember you, Giles. You with your constant head trauma. I always thought one more bang on the skull would be the end of you. It's going to be fun to find out. Great work, Emma. This is fun. Mm-hmm. She's having a good time. She is actually having, um, I think, a great time. You make a good point, Jenny, in that <laughs> Anya- we know Anyanka is like simply not having a good time because she cannot take pleasure from her job now that she doesn't live in a human body so i love that look we've all been there yeah and so you know what if she has to make her fun by zipping along and making other people's lives miserable for a moment you know more power to you anyanka (laughs) (laughs) oh we sort of zipped past olivia giving her blessing to uh giles helping these gals out uh, she clarifies that she extracted Giles's uh, no more evil and stuff promise because the world had like a bazillion slayers. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but she shrewdly observes that uh, Anya and Cordelia's world seems to be fairly understaffed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and 
and in a uh in a move that I think we can all relate to, she in order to reward herself for letting Giles go fight evil, she makes a date with some fancy donuts. Fuck Must yeah. be nice. This is the kind of relationship vibe that I have, like uh where Olivia is looking not necessarily for Giles to do like do only one thing and ever one thing but simply that Giles is making an effort to the prom like I love that Olivia is like listen thank you for saying you won't go and for making such an effort to like withhold this promise and because of that like some a lot of times I feel like that's all I need I'm like I have seen your effort I feel loved and cared for and therefore go just just do do the thing I'll go have a donut Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. a plus um All right, so next scene, we are inside of Clem's 1970 Dodge Dart. He says only 42 were made in this color magenta. I tried to get my Mona Lisa Vito energy rolling and find out if this were true. I could not confirm it, but I did get a good look at the 1970 Dodge Dart, and it is so... All we can do here is hear it sputtering, but I would like to say, in Clem's defense, this is a sexy little fucking car. Yeah, I don't I don't know why they're so down on his cars. Me either. I mean, I guess it's like rusty and, you know, it's not really working properly, but like I would like a 1970 Dodge Dart. If I, you know, in the beginning of uh, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, we asked folks um, if they knew where to get a green mug like Giles's, and we received many in the mail. And so, like, if anyone wants. If anyone wants to send us 1970 Dodge Darts, <laughs> please. That would be welcome. Thank you. So we find out. In passing, that Clem is either much older or much younger than 150. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Shortly before five Penthos demons roll up on this gas station where they are refueling, looking for revenge for the murder of Miranda. Um, I really like leech as an insult for vampires. Mm, You backstabbing leech. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I like that one of the uh, vengeance-seeking demons is uh, the betrothed of Miranda. I love a good scorned lover, you know. So mm-hmm. <laughs> happy to see that written in. Well, um, I think for the lover to be scorned, Miranda would have have to have had to do the scorning. Oh, okay, okay, okay. What? Yeah, a uh, what would you so, say? A widow, a widow, <laughs> a widowed lover, a bewidowed lover. Mm-hmm. Be widowed for sure. Uh, <laughs> so the fight starts, and we go back to the Anyanka exchange. Jenny, this is my shit. Okay, this kind of energy in this bookshop is what I love the Buffy verse for. Anyanka is about to murder them all. Giles gets a call. He picks it up. He says, "Do you mind if I take this?" Anyanka is like, "Sure." <laughs> and then when he does actually take the call, she's like, "Is this dude for fucking real?" I love it. I'm I'm sensing a strong somebody making this show worked in a bookstore energy. (laughs) Totally. Um, This person is called. Do you know what this person is calling about? I do. Well, I don't know which which book, though. I thought I should ask you, Jenny, which book 2013 R.R. Martin is uh, like what what book had not come out yet at this point. Yeah, Kristen, A Dance with Dragons, the fifth book in a seven-book series, came out in 2011. Um, and it was, we've we've all been waiting for The Winds of Winter, the sixth book, 
to come out um, since for over a decade. <laughs> so this, for over 10 years. So this joke is actually really funny. Like if you understand the fact that this person calling in 2013 is still waiting in 2023, this is an, a top shelf joke in yeah. my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I got to keep, help, help me keep remembering that it's 2013. Somebody in the Discord pointed out as we were wondering uh, what generation Indira would be a member of, and we were like, oh, doing some very cool math. <laughs> saying, <laughs> According to today, uh, Indira would be a generation alpha, but but no, right. but of no, course. she's she's fucking... she's Gen Z. She's um, is she Gen Z? She's oh yeah yeah because we were like twenty three. She's sixteen in twenty thirteen. In twenty thirteen, where does a millennial cutoff happen? This is what the podcast is made for, right? Uh, Born between 1981 and 1996. 96. Okay, so yeah. Oh, but she's right. She's a cusper. I'll tell you what. She's got. She's mm. got a little millennial. She's kind of like You're us. Saying she's elder. She's, she's, she's an elder geriatric Gen Z. She's an elder Gen Z. Yeah, exactly. It's just like us, our elder millennials. Um, okay. So what else happens here? Uh, we're still waiting on the next Game of Thrones book, and. Uh, Anya sets Anyanka on fire. Giles would really love if Anyanka was not around, but simply this is not the way in his bookshop. He immediately uses a fire no. extinguisher to put out the fire. Books are entirely too flammable for Giles uh, <laughs> uh, said immolation watch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and Dira uh, sh- jumps into the fight. And th- okay, this is a thing. So. Indira jumps into the fight and Anyanka says, let's see how brave you are when you're vomiting a thousand toads. And I feel like this and the turn your genitals into a sack of maggots mm-hmm. are both are two things that to me feel like so close to what vengeance demon Anya Anyanka that we know and love would say. But just like not quite. It's just not quite vengeancy enough. It's like two. There's something missing Mm. Kristen can see me sort of like moving my hand as though I'm perhaps I have those like two balls that excuse me for saying so uh (laughs) that you buy at like Spencer gifts and then you like kind of rotate them in your hand I never Uh, I never this is a family show I never made the give of what you did with your pointer finger the other day in a recording so what I should do is dig back through the vault and put the you moving two balls around in your in the cup of your hand with you moving your pointer finger up and down for just a real tasty November treat for everyone (laughs) tis the season what I'm saying Mm. is uh, that both of these concepts are a little too that hand gesture for it to really be like hitting the nail on the head. All right, but Jenny. I'm excited to hear Anyanka say more things and hopefully get closer to the bullseye for me. Uh, Jenny, challenge by next episode, can you write something that you would feel vengeance was vengeancy enough? Yes. The thing about this specific thing, right, mm-hmm. is that uh, Anyanka's whole thing is about um, wronged women. Right. Yeah. So like she's always in the show, she's Mm -hmm. always like hearkening back to like horrific things that she's done to men that feel some kind of like some kind of like connectedness. Right. Yeah. Like something taken out of context or like something 
that either the wronged woman or the man like said or did like twisted right a bit right right or something. right don't and forget though on Yanka hey, teen girl yeah but don't yes. forget, Anyanka is drifting in a in a sea without her human counterpart. Right, right. Maybe it's like the context of the of the classic wronged woman odd. Um, without that sort of like human context, Anyanka yeah. is just like She's more wild. of a wild card. Um, speaking of being a wild card, she says, "I've got the taste of your magic, Anya. We're connected, you and I." Um. Guys, <laughs> it's like how many times have you gotten um, a message on Hinge <laughs> that said that <laughs> that feeling where you have the taste of her magic? Um, okay, so they make they get to the trap door, they go through the trap door, they bolt the hatch, and then they decide to get rid of the passageway. Listen, Anyanka can poof herself fucking anywhere, so I don't actually think that this matters, but take all precautions, everyone. Right? Take all precautions. I, it just feels like maybe their efforts would be better spent elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, like turning her back into the statue again. You know what I mean? Just leave her in a statue form. Yeah, she was great as a statue. She was so good as a statue, and Clem is nowhere near England, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, Jenny, something happens... In this moment, and it is my favorite thing in the episode, it is Giles trying to make a phone call to tell Olivia that he's okay. The choice to have Giles take this long hitting the buttons of the phone is by far my. It's boop, 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 boop. Listen, the man, it's 2013. He's working with a flip phone, clearly. Clearly, clearly. I love it. Um, he calls Olivia to tell her that they were attacked. She's really fucking worried. Of course she is. Um, but, you know, he says he's going to stay safe and everything's going to be okay. Uh, okay. So then Giles has this exchange with Anya where he's saying, like, he wants to be so mad at her, but he can't be. But, like, she never should have dragged him into this, though. If their situations were reversed, he might have done the same thing. So he's going to help them. Open a portal back to Anya's world. Uh, yeah, and they're looking for a book called The Compass of the Hidden Sea, which we'll learn later helps you navigate between realms. Where was this book in seasons one to seven of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Because we could have used it then. You know what I mean? We, there was a lot of different... You know what? Honestly, where was this book in Angel, the television series? That's what we really needed it yeah. then. Uh, Maybe George R.R. R. Martin wrote it and it came out in 2012. <laughs> and it was one of the things that delayed him. the winds of winter. <laughs> okay, so we go to Drew's dungeon, not to be confused with Drusilla's playground. And who is here down in the dungeon? Jenny, but our own Amy Madison. It's Amy Madison um, being played by a new actress. Yes, this is Jessica Gardner. Uh, Elizabeth Ann Allen played Amy Madison in the series. um, And from conversations we've had, um, couldn't be reached to play this. But they wanted, of course, who wouldn't want uh, Elizabeth Ann Allen? But that said, Jessica Gardner 
is getting it done. Getting it done. I mean, this is not how this actress sounds. Just her, like she did a lot of research on the affect of Amy Madison's speech patterns, and uh, like is really oh. fucking doing it. So good job, Jessica Gardner. Way to go, Jessica Gardner. Welcome to the verse. Um, right out the gate in the scene, Tara says probably the smartest thing Tara has ever said. Mm. Which is that it only takes one day of stupid to ruin your life. Tara. Tara. Amy is trying so hard to explain to Tara that, like, this is a ridiculous plan and she needs to cut it out. Um, We learned something really important, which is that Ethan Rain is still alive in this universe, which is great to hear. But they have basically taken all of the magic away from Ethan and they're doing this is what we learn Tara is doing with the witches down in the dungeon. She is taking their magic after she's drained by the grimoire and then as a mercy, letting them out into the world, but they are empty and vacant of all of the things that made them them. This is an interesting choice because knowing what we know of Tara and what happened to Tara in season five, the glory of it all, right? Like glory was like sucking the life Mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. of folks and then letting them walk around. Um, Glory certainly wasn't doing that with any form of mercy in her mind. Um, But it is interesting to be written in given what we know of Tara from our reality. It also just makes no sense to me how you could ever think that this would be merciful. Yeah. I feel like one of the things that I like do have some questions about is sort of like, what's up with Tara? <laughs> just yeah. like kind of across the board. I feel like, I feel like, uh, let's see, what's that word where, um, for when the voting boundaries um, oh, are yes. manipulated? Is that yes. gerrymandering? Gerrymandering okay. or redlining I've... or, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Tara's feeling slightly redlined to me. I feel like there are places where she's like clearly pointed in one direction and then some places where she feels like less mm-hmm. sure of like what she's about. And it's and then sometimes she has the sort of like interior Tara 1.0 kind of surfacing. Right. But like even when that's not happening, Tara 2.0 seems to sort of like not 100% know what she wants out of life. Totally. And I think that that analogy kind of, or whatever it is, works for what the character of Tara is doing as well in this moment of like drawing. Because what I when I said like, I don't think it's merciful, what I mean is how can you call something merciful when you are literally harming someone, right? Like not that I don't like, not that I don't think it's merciful to keep them alive. I don't think she should be killing them. I don't think she should be taking their magic from them. Like it's, it's you're really skating around some stuff to get to a place where you feel okay about yourself when you are the person that took away somebody's like essence and all of that like it's just a little confusing yeah I mean I'm I'm interested to see where things go Mm -hmm. um and like if if more is going to be made clear or if this is simply like the sort of like residual effect of sort of containing multitudes in the way that Tara is currently containing multitudes totally um I love that (laughs) I love that Tara needs to drain 
people who have magic and the the first two people she trains are Ethan Rain and Amy Madison, two people that we have a lot of experience with. I was thinking the magical community in this universe is approximately the same size as the queer dating pool at my college. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is uh, uh, dating slash magically draining each other's exes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us the chart. Um, she uh, She's also starting really high. I feel like Amy Madison and Ethan Rain, definitely two of the top tier magic holders as we know them in our universe. So maybe mm. save those guys. You know, I don't know. I, I It just feels like. Where's it, Rack? Yeah. Bring back Rack. Ooh, don't drain Rack. That seems dangerous at best. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, Willow kind of did it. A little That's bit. That's true. She That's took a little true. tour. Oh my god, she did take a little. And, and I mean, I'm not saying it was a good idea or that it <laughs> <laughs> left her better than it found her, but um, so we the like sort of backstory that we get in this conversation is that, and it kind of is what I was talking about with sunlight. Like, if you knew you could set them all on fire, wouldn't somebody have been trying to get this spell to work in in that way? But I guess that is actually what happened because Tara wanted to do the spell that would make the moonlight affect them like the sunlight does, which would essentially weaponize the moon. You know, they would never be able to come outside at all. Yeah, so apparently Spike and Drew had, like, started this rumor that that's what this spell in the grimoire was all about. Yeah. So that's how they, like, kind of lured her into casting from the grimoire, which, like, rendered her into her current state. Uh, Amy's like, you suck. <laughs> Amy, is cor- Amy is correct in a lot of what she is leveling at Tara in this scene. She also says Drusilla is a snake. I would just be careful if I were you, Amy. Um, But then she introduces what I think is another, in addition to what you were talking about with like uh, Clem's sort of like backstory, I think this is a really interesting piece of of lore. Uh, You know, I think it's like really touchy to like add lore or build out on an existing property that is like so loved and um, held in such high esteem. But I think the idea that Andre Kurgan had a theory yeah. that vampires were evil because they live in the darkness and fear the sun. Like that there's something about their sort of like physical requirements for continued existence that have like turned them towards evil and that like the sunlight spell could change that. I, I think that is like so interesting. Even if even if as Amy Amy goes on to say, uh Tara's a fool. Uh, and that uh, that's not ha- how it's going to work. Um, it, yeah, and, no. And a new society I, shall not form. I agree. I agree. I think this is really interesting, right? And I'm just going to, uh, l- let me s- just say exactly what Tara says here. Um, Kurgan believed living in the darkness and fearing the sun made vampires evil, that half of their monstrous nature came from self mythologizing that was my favorite part that word self mythologizing um the sunlight (laughs) spike table of one yeah (laughs) the sunlight spell would change that uh there would be blood at first but it wouldn't last um vampires can would then live in the sun side by side with humans in a new society would form um i think it's really interesting and i think it is um also just an interesting thing to think about what um a, like, is could this be true? And B, like, if hard no, then what we tell ourselves, right? That, like, this is the thing that, that, that 
in the end, a lot of us are like seeking out something and we may be totally misguided, but usually it's reminding me of the conversation actually speaking of rack that I had with Jeff Kober talking about playing these evil mm. parts that like to mm. really nail this part, you have to believe you're not trying to be evil. You simply believe this thing deeply and this is what your motivation mm. is. And so that I love this lore for that sake as well because it gives us a like a heartbeat for for Kurgan at least I'm not getting it quite as much with Tara and Drew and even like the uh spike from this reality but I do love it for that for that like lore's sake I think it's very cool today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas if you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Amy's like, you're a dumbass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this is where I start to notice, actively notice and realize that throughout the scene, Amy's chains have been jingling. Oh, Amy. They are jingling and jangling. Um... Tara talks about how she and Drew find a balance between them of like what they want and like what their goals are and stuff. Mm -hmm. I just want to say that the relationship between Tara and Drew solo just seems like very out of whack and like 
it just doesn't seem it just seems like maybe they could benefit from some couples therapy yeah there's a lot of lying happening um but a lying, honestly a lot of sneaking up uh, ledger still <laughs> loves that. to sneak up but honestly she has reason <laughs> to i actually am really team drew um between these two i'm really team drew i think Tara is uh, keeping the literal core of herself from her partner, and that is not fair. Drusilla has this amazing line later where she says, like, there's a little girl inside of me, at, like, that is very, that got very scared that you left. And I was like, oh, Drew, mm, like, Drusilla. just talk. Drusilla is a lot of things, but Drusilla in this universe as well, like, has the capacity to, I think, express herself very clearly in moments. And, like, mm. I think that Drusilla is showing up for Tara. At this point, um, everything I've seen, Drusilla is sh showing up for Tara. She's annoyed with some things about Tara. She wants to see Tara show up for her like she feels like she's showing up for Tara. And so, Team Drew. Kristen, Kristen mm -hmm. Nolene, Team Drew. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so Tara um, puts Amy through a lot of horrible pain simply because she's annoyed which is very uncool uh, the script here telling us what we've said I know Jenny you just want to say noir uh, probably at least one time <laughs> but the script is uh, you know the sound effects call for the crackle of magic and then Amy is screaming again period hideous period the sound effects are calling for dark shit okay so um, we get that. And then we zip back over to the gas station. We do. Um, <laughs> Spike letting the Penthos demons know that Clem is actually responsible for killing Miranda. Uh, Cordelia's like, what are you doing? Clem is like, no. Turns out, Turns out. Clem, a bottomless well of sorrow and despair in pain all the time, every second of every day. He just chooses happiness. Clem. Clem. Uh, this is a lot. Um, he also does, I mean, I think you were right, Jenny, when you talked about the puffer, or when you talked about like what we saw from the uh, potentials, mm. uh, like from the back, because mm -hmm. we learned that Clem is blown up in this scene like a puffer fish using like all mm -hmm. of those folds of his skin. Um, mm -hmm. But basically, Spike has weaponized Clem's misery against the Penthos demons um, because even though they like have had their fill, they don't know their limit and they keep going and going and going and going. And eventually Clem is puffed up and bites all five of their heads off. The wet. I think he actually bites all five of their heads oh, off. Oh, maybe. Well, we hear him bite, what, two? And then the rest, what, run away? Yeah. Okay. The sound effects. Wet, bone-breaking chomp as Clem bites the demon's head off. Nasty. Yes, keep me away from bone-breaking chomps that are wet, please. Um, okay. All right. Kristen. Mm. You know that? <laughs> you know that feeling? Mm. When you're just trying to talk to your monkey? But then your vampirous lover <laughs> rolls up and you're like, you were spying. And she's like, I was admiring. Oh, and my God. And then you God. make some makeout sounds directly into a microphone. Yeah, I do know that. And feeling. then Jenny is like, this is none of my business. 
Um, Amy has gotten into Tara's head in some way because the thing that Tara wants to say to Drew the minute she sees her is actually, we should probably kill them now. Like, I don't know. I, uh, like, I just feel like that would be really satisfying for me. So Tara's feeling (laughs) conflicted. Um, yeah. To your point, Jenny, stop talking to this monkey. Okay. Just stop it. Drusilla, just actually stop lying. But if you're not going to stop lying, then stop saying all of your lies out loud to a monkey while (laughs) Drusilla is skulking about. (laughs) Uh, More exchanging. This is, I already kind of talked about this at the top. There's like more exchange here about like, but Anya and Cordelia, but the sunlight spell, but Anya and Cordelia. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that Tara is like Spike is dead and Drusilla is like, well, he can't help it. <laughs> he can't help it. Do you think I, I I had like a real thinky moment in this uh, Spike wanting a global vampire kingdom. I just it doesn't feel like Spike to me. That feels like Angelus. Angelus would want a global vampire yeah. kingdom. Spike but just, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yes. Maybe in this reality, Spike is more like. Angelus. Okay. Okay. I mean, I guess we'll find out. I, but right, like at least in our reality, Spike is Spike wants to put fucking Wheaties on his blood and have it crunch. He wants to smoke his cigarettes. Yeah. He wants to fuck people and kill people. He conspired. He conspired with his sworn enemy, the Vampire Slayer, to prevent his grand sire from bringing about the end of the world. Exactly. Spike does it. Spike wants his blooming onions. Okay, he doesn't want to. Spike fucking... wants his Morley cigarettes. Yeah. So Spike again, wants a six pack. Let's learn more, I suppose, as the series goes on. But I'm very <laughs> curious about alternate reality Spike and how he would want this. There's no, there's no reality in which I can believe that Drusilla would wear a grass skirt. A thousand percent. One thousand percent. Going after her crown in Copenhagen? Correct. Wearing a grass skirt in the South Pacific? In the sun? No. (laughs) On a beach? No, absolutely not. Anyway. You know what she wants the most? What? Killing Cordelia and Anya. Yeah, she does. The only thing she wants more than lying on a beach with Tara. Wearing a grass skirt and then swimming naked is killing Cordelia and Anya. Why can't she have it? All right. Giles would like to sometimes be a strong, supple young woman. (laughs) And (laughs) And one of those moments is in the next scene at the magic box. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They are still looking for this fucking book. It's three in the morning. Okay. Can someone just, has anyone tried saying boo? because oh true that's the actually clinically proven to be the best way to locate your missing Uh, book five out of five Uh, books agree simply say book and they will come uh indira has a theory and her theory is that giles (laughs) giles is basically what a worm on a hook Uh giles is uh, the human shield that the council holds up yeah. against any uh, dangers that may arise around a slayer. They were like, this guy was a troublemaker. Let's put him with the girl who burned down her gym. Yeah, basically uh, they're not betting on Giles to do anything good. So they might as well risk right. his life. That's her theory. What do you think about this, Jenny? Because we've had our questions about you know why G- Giles why Giles right why Giles he obviously left 
the Watchers Council for at least a time while he was uh, making out with Ethan and all that stuff and, you know, doing dark magic and what have you. Mm. So I think Indira's theory does hold some weight and I kind of like it for the story, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like Buffy was sort of the underdog of Slayers and if Giles is the underdog of Watchers and together they said fuck you to the council and save the world, like, yeah, we like it. Giles like doesn't that. like it though. Giles does not want to be. Giles doesn't like it. No, he wants to be the best one. That's why he was chosen. She's also like, didn't Faith? Um, didn't her watcher get killed and then fed to alligators? And Giles is like, you must have uh, read a transcription of that episode with a few pages missing I love- because the alligators and the, the watcher's death were wholly unrelated. I love the idea of Faith just on Reddit. Like also like she like said what she she said that at the bronze, but then also later on Reddit, like wanted to make sure the story was recorded. <laughs> uh let's play Faith's jingle because you know what? We've gotten two Faith mentions and who knows how many more we'll get and we cannot miss the opportunity. Hit it, bitch. She's from Boston keeps it spot and doesn't need any frills. Seems like she's the only one who's taking care of herself. Don't call the loser, she's a bruiser with the power and skill. But the demons deep inside her are the hardest to kill. Faith! This is sweet though. Indira, like ultimately, after she theorizes and theorizes, is working her way to tell Giles that she just wants him to know that she'll be his backup. Since, like, no, the council wasn't going to give him backup. She'll be his backup. And it's very sweet. And Dira is very nice, actually, to I everyone. Like Indira. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Spike comes a knocking, comes a rap tap tapping, mm-hmm. immediately followed by Clem and Cordelia. I love everyone's like, I'm relieved you're alive and I'm relieved you're alive. And Clem is like, is anyone relieved I'm alive? Now would be the perfect time to say so. And Indira does because Indira is so nice. Um, I love little pigs, little pigs, let me in. This is feeling very, very, very much like spike writing to me. Like this is I can mm-hmm. see it. Um, For sure. Giles Giles' first priority is ensuring that Clem is no longer eating kittens still. He's on his kitten-free diet. Good man, he says, when he finds out that Clem is still kitten-free. And um, <laughs> now we have alternate reality Cordelia coming face-to-face with our reality's Giles. We've learned that Giles was Cordelia's watcher. So Giles, Giles to Cordy is Giles to Buffy. That's the math of these universes. Um, And they're Mm. coming face to face. And we heard at the top of the episode um, part of this clip. But we're going to play the the beginning piece of the clip here for you. Uh, And you, I must say, it's it's one thing to know another Cordelia Chase exists, but something else entirely to meet you. Spike told me about this Buffy Summers chick. But in my world, it was you and me. You trained me. You taught me everything I know about being a slayer. That's, um, well, it's, it's lovely to hear. Your Giles must be very proud. I think he was. I hope he was. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah. He taught me well. But sometimes even your best isn't enough. This is the best stuff that's happened. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is good shit. Um, this was also in, I think, the teaser, the trailer, whatever we're calling that video. Like we saw um, Tony Head and um, Charisma recording this moment. And it's mm. a real like give you chills moment in so many ways. Right. It's like thinking about the Cordelia and Giles relationship that we didn't get to see, that we at least haven't gotten mm -hmm. to see um, and thinking about our Giles and our Cordelia and the power that our Cordelia had in the universe that we were given in this reality and thinking about the appreciation that we had and that G someone of Giles um, sort of like nature had for Cordelia. It's, it's really beautiful and it tracks for me all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just so good. And they're both, they're both knocking it out of the park. I think it's like one of these moments, too, where, you know, there's like a meta experience happening, too, because obviously we're getting Giles and Cordy from, you know, various realities and that the power of that. But we're also getting Tony Head and Charisma Carpenter, I think, in this moment. And mm -hmm. that translates. Um, and a lot of, you know, you were making a joke before, like who in the writer's room loves best friends. But I was thinking about all of the times that we've seen these actors in conversation with each other, but certainly uh, like the most recent time, which was at Comic-Con when these actors were sitting on stage with each other, the fucking love that these folks have for one another is so powerful. Mm. And I think, you know, this is 2013 in the universe, but in the 2023 world of these actors being in a room together, I think it, we also get a lot of that in the exchange and it's really fucking cool. So, yeah, there you go. Your feelings dump at the end of the app here. <laughs> okay, Spike wants to like pick up the pace here because uh, he'd like to catch a million dead reunion show. Kristen, <gasps> Jenny, do you know who's in Million Dead? I didn't, but I did my due diligence. I was like, Million Dead, I wonder <laughs> if that's a band. Let me look it up. And then I looked it up and was like, Frank Turner, I know him. I felt there so cool. I felt so cool. You yeah. must have felt so cool because you've played so many shows with Frank. You know Frank so well. Um, I wouldn't. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it's not going to have more hell. Uh, I did do a tour opening for Frank and he rocks. Um. I was shocked, truly shocked, to look up Million Dead and realize that Frank, Frank Turner's hair was extremely long <laughs> when he was in Million Dead. Um, this is really cool. Does it track for you? I mean, you know more of the music than I do, but does this track yes, for I you? Yes, I celebrate this choice. For Spike, yeah. Uh, it seemed just by like reading the description of the music uh, that it would it would fit with Spike, but I hope that Frank <laughs> knows. I so okay. Tell me something. Doesn't doesn't Frank Turner Turner and Corey Brannon? Isn't there an overlap there, or am I making things up? Yeah, there's a oh, there's a revival tour uh, overlap. A revival, sure. okay. And Corey Brannon is a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I just hope that someone is telling. <laughs> Frank, that he's, you know, in universe here. Oh, the other he's thing I meant, to, since we're talking about in universe music, right? So we know that in our reality, I mean, clearly in our reality, this band exists because we live in our reality. But in the alternate reality, Green Day, still a band. Uh, Tara's, <laughs> Tara's wearing a Green Day concert <laughs> shirt. So I was happy to know yeah. that Green Day is still rocking it uh, over in the alternate mm -hmm. reality. <laughs> uh, weirdly, though, the um, in their reality, Green Day is made up of... Um... <laughs> Tom DeLong, Mark Hoppus, and Travis Barker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Um, my wife went to Los Angeles a couple weeks ago to see a concert, and I was telling a friend of ours about what she was going to be doing. Like, why is she going to L.A.? I was like, oh, she's going to see a concert with her sisters, Blink-182. And this friend said to Avanti, um, are you going to L.A. to see a Blink-182 concert? She said, no, I'm going to see Saves the Day. <laughs> I was like, same. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> <laughs> no idea, you guys. <laughs> anyway, this is my little anecdote uh, for the moment. So this scene, to your point, Jenny, uh, Spike is wanting things to move along. And what he is wanting to move along is the spell. Anya has found the book. Good job, Anya. Anya has found the compass, uh, not to be confused with the golden compass. And the markings are on the floor. Everything is in place. And the plan is that Spike... Anya and Cordelia will go back to the dimension. That was always the plan, and that is the plan, except for two things. One, Indira is like, fuck no, I'm not staying here. I'm helping. And everyone's like, no, no, Indira, you literally just became a slayer, except for Cordy. And Cordy's like, you know what? I was her once, and I know that she is like in this fight, and she should be able to come with us. So it is agreed that Indira will enter the circle. So four people will be going back to the other reality, except for... Oh, no, they all blow out their little matches and the sulfur smoke gathers in the center. And who busts in? Anyaka. (laughs) Sometimes Clem is like, Anyaka, I can explain. (laughs) Anyaka, give me the Anyanka Clem spinoff, please. I love it. I Mm, love it. mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Anyanka blows in and Giles tries to stop Anyanka, but does not succeed it seems we don't really know all we know is that we hear spike say the giles has fallen into the circle and then we hear a big whooshy sound if you watched the trailer teaser video thingy you will know that we saw this they were all in the room together uh all of them sort of screaming and what have you um and that's the moment that this episode ends on so we don't know who winds up where um we'll have to wait to dig into the fifth episode to find out. There's a lot going on. Sound effects called for a whoosh of magic. F-W-O-O-S-H. A whoosh of well, magic. Yeah, what do we, you call I it? love, would love to know who's writing the sound effects. I mean, I assume it's, mm. you know, just collaborative, but good words in here. Splurch, <laughs> whoosh, a <Splurge>. plus. <laughs> uh... Kristen, what was your favorite audio in this episode? My favorite audio is both the audio choice. I already said it, basically, but it's like the audio, but also the direction of the audio choice. And it is Giles on a flip phone trying to call Olivia with his glasses maybe on (laughs) or off. He can't quite see the buttons perfectly, but he's doing Mm -hmm. his Mm -hmm. best. I think I was very much in the moment for that sound cue. Uh, My pick was Clem enunciating the phrase classic automobile. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. When you send us our Dodge darts, can you please make sure that you include a uh, cassette tape that we can pop into our, maybe an eight, were there eight tracks and cars in the 70s? Probably. Uh, Seems right. Just send us the way to play that clip inside of our new Dodge darts. And by new, I mean vintage. Old. Old. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess there's only one thing left to do. Speaking of putting an eight track in a player... Hey, if you're not going to transition, I will. You know what I mean? 
Well, here we are again. Again. I can't believe it. We're back. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. And now here we are back in the Sexual Tension Awards. For this episode, we've got four pairings, four possible selections uh, for you to consider today. In slot number one, we've got a famished gang of penthos demons and Clem's bottomless well of sorrow and despair. Oh, poor Clem. Poor, poor Clem, Clem, but... Mm, Do you think the desire the penthos, burns bright in this one? When the penthos demons eat your despair, does it go away? Because, like, maybe... I don't know. Like, maybe this <laughs> is helpful for Clem. It's like, are penthos yeah. demons the Zoloft of the demon world? If that were the case, I think people wouldn't be screaming when they get fed on. That's true. Um, Speaking of screaming when they get fed on, in slot number two, it's Giles and Olivia. Hot, hot, hot. As hot as the tea they sip upon. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, nothing says sexy, sexy time like <laughs> sipping a hot cup of tea. <laughs> hey, don't yuck my yum, baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, in slot number three, uh, sometimes, you know, desire is about like the negative space uh secrets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the unseen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was with this in mind that we selected for slot number three drusilla and eavesdropping on slash sneaking up on tara <laughs> she can't keep away from it she loves she it she can't stop she's addicted and in slot number four Ooh. she's got the taste of it it's anyanka and anya's <laughs> magic she can't stop <laughs> thinking about it <laughs> So, please, 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 we need your delicious, succulent votes. Uh, head on over to bufferingcast.com slash STA, and that will redirect you to most recent STA poll. Thank you for voting in advance. Did we do it? Oh, Jenny, we sure did. Oh, my gosh. I would dare to say that I think we might be two of the most qualified people to do the work that we are currently doing. And I don't usually feel like that. Hmm. <laughs> I feel... Well, one of us feels qualified. I feel real qualified for this. I feel like we've got a lot of history in our brains. And it's mm. it's just been very... Even though we couldn't remember that Clem eats bugles. Yeah, well, you know, some things will slip. But I just... I, I'm having a very good time with, like... Because I've never done this. I've, I've never really, like dove into a new text but with a history of previous texts that I feel very familiar with it's it's satisfying yeah. to me so I'm having a good time me too I'm having a blast fuck yeah well I guess that's it for this episode for this week but we'll be back just hang in there mm-hmm. just a quick pop through the trap door <laughs> to next week is that how trapdoors work? Uh, I am Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I am not making podcasts with Kristen, I'm usually making music. I have a new album out called Avalanche. came out in September, uh, and I'm playing some shows. I've got some West Coast shows coming up this month. I'll be in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle, November 15th through the 18th. I hope you'll come out if you're in that area. You can find tickets and info at jennyowenyoungs.com and you can give me a shout on socials at jennyowenyoungs. It would really help you if you had a trapdoor from like Maine to the west coast, you know. Be so it would sick. be really oh awesome. God. 
Um, my name is Kristen Russo, and um, when not tinkering on the magical trap door that will save us all the time we need to continue making podcasts and also doing everything else that our lives require, <laughs> I am working with and for LGBTQ communities. You can learn more about that work um, and the fun little things I do uh, in that world at kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Buffering the Vampire Slayers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at BufferingCast. Or you can drop us an email at hello at BufferingCast.com. You can support our work by becoming a patron of ours. Just head on over to Patreon.com slash BufferingCast or the website, BufferingCast.com. Everything you need is there. Everything. Every single thing. I'm this hoping I'm hoping produced... lunch is there actually because I really need lunch right Ooh. now. So I'm ho- I'm gonna go to bufferingcast.com yeah. and see if there's any lunch slash lunch me. slash lunch. Yeah. <laughs> this episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Latoya Ferguson with support from our consultant Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. Until next time. Ah. Uh, Hey folks, I'm Yen. And I'm Nat. And we're the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. Comic Sans is a show for people who know nothing about comics, like me. And people who love them, like me, and want to learn more about them. What makes you an authority on comic books? I read them, write them, live them, breathe them. What makes you the authority on knowing nothing? Honestly, Yen, two seasons in, I actually know a little more than I used to. You're welcome. The reason for that is that every episode, I make Nat read one of my favorite comics, like Daredevil Saga or This One Summer. And then he tells me what makes that comic so special. And then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. You can listen to the second season of Comic Sans now. With new episodes every two weeks. Wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Yen, I think I know so much about comics now that this might have to be our last season. Nat, there will forever be more comic than you will ever know. What does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds profound, though. Right?